for listening. And as always, go blue. Coast to coast and border to border, wherever you are, wherever you may be, when you want to listen to real, fine, freeform radio, tune in to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screams of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets. Swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift linguals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Tilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time flack. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Well, uh, good evening. And welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And somewhat fuzzy with congestion and cold medicine, I'm Jim Dwyer. Yeah, we have had sort of... Well, unusually hot weather in the last couple of days. Today's a little more seasonable, as they say, but it seems cold because it's been so warm. I don't know where I got this chest cold from, but taking a couple days to shake. Might be the pollen. There's it's that season where everything is sort of exploding on the vine. It's gorgeous out right now. It is. It's like perfect weather for sitting on your porch with a ukulele. And I noticed the other day, or the last couple of days, that virtually every uh, city in the United States is either way above normal or, or just about normal. Only the northern, western part of our country is sort of uh, cool. But we're not talking about a couple degrees. We're talking 10 to 15 degrees, 5 degrees at night. And, of course, that's part of the uh, spirit of today with the meeting at the U.N. about climate change. Well, and important to see the youth get involved last Friday. A friend of mine who's still a teacher uh, didn't have specific numbers, but he said that the uh, attendance in afternoon classes was way off. Well, I went. I got there a little late, about 12, 15. <coughs> I'm... Not a professional expert on crowd estimates. I would say it was about four to five thou on campus here at the U of M. At the Ingalls Mall, yeah. uh, WEMU claimed it was about seventy five hundred. It's possible there were a lot of people flowing it in and around, and it was an unusually warm day. That's what I'll always remember about that. But well, between uh, trying to focus attention on climate crisis crises issues and uh being really the only consistently uh present uh, voices against the uh normalization of uh, combat style gun violence in america 
the youth. They should take every Friday for the rest of the school year yeah. off to protest those two things. Why not? Because something's got to wake Mitch McConnell up. Well, and yeah, and, and plus the... A good panty snap is what he's begging for. The, the, the continuing alarming reports are, are really mind-boggling. Um, Al Gore had a kind of an interesting piece uh, about the optimistic perspective. I'll just read one thing about that because I think uh, we do sometimes need to be optimistic about what is going in the right direction. But uh, before I read Al Gore, uh, author of uh, Earth in the Balance, uh, you might remember if you're old enough that President H.W. Bush derided him in 92 as Ozone Al. Now, in the 1980s, the major environmental issues were really acid rain and uh, the ozone, the chlorofluorocarbons. Aerosol spray can uh, prevalence. They're pretty much gone now. And there was action. Yeah. Uh, they forced the coal uh, burning power plants in the Midwest to uh, improve their uh, scrubbing technology and things improved. Some of the lakes, particularly in uh, New England and upstate New York, were really affected by acid rain. Um, this, of course, is the sulfur that was getting into the rain itself. One of the most alarming things I've heard in the last month was there was an agronomist, a scientist, at uh, in the Trump administration that resigned. He technically worked at the USDA. His name escapes me. He's now a professor at Columbia. But uh, he pretty much resigned in protest because they wouldn't publish his findings. And his findings were very alarming. Uh, I just want to summarize them quickly. He talked about how carbon dioxide is actually reducing the protein and vitamin content of rice. Uh, and he noted that 50% of the world's people on the planet right now predominantly get rice as their, not only their main meal, but their staple. And uh, this is very alarming. He was talking about how carbon dioxide actually changes the chemistry of plants and the nutritional value of plants. It's just like those old acid heads used to say, and as we all know to be true, it's all connected, man. You can't throw one it's thing cosmic. out of balance. It's, it's, it truly is. It's, it's cosmic, truly cosmic. Yeah. You can't throw one thing off kilter without a series of disruptions in the way that life itself has grown and, and fostered and established a planet where a civilization, to the extent that we can call what we've got civilization, uh, to flourish, uh, there reaches a point where Carl Sagan used to point out that, you know, humans are the way that the cosmos can perceive itself. Sure. That we are part of it. We are in it. We are of it. It is of us. It's in our bones. Uh we have to be the ones to figure it out. And all these Bible thumpers who want to talk about sodomy uh, should remember the important language about stewardship of the plants and the animals in the Bible. Isn't that important, too, to take care of the place 
that happens to be where we live, it's it's a no-brainer that this is important. And you mentioned optimism with the Al Gore thing. To me, the involvement of youth, the increasing involvement of youth in, in politics and protest is, is a great source of optimism. Very uh, encouraging. And, of course, I would say that most of the people I saw at the... Uh the rally or whatever you want to call it, the global strike, I guess was what it was sort of called, um, were youth. And, of course, they were leading the uh, speeches and the workshops that uh, that followed. I didn't go to any of those, but uh, it was encouraging. I had a little mini sign that said, coal must go, <laughs> because I think coal is one of those easy things at the moment that we must do as quickly as possible. And there has been some progress in reducing coal uh, here in the United States in terms of electric uh, produ production of electricity. I also think it's important to realize that fossil fuels cannot disappear tomorrow uh, because they simply make up too much of how electricity is produced globally. That needs to change as soon as possible. On the optimistic side, I'll just read a couple of items from Al Gore. Um, he noted that uh, the research group uh, at Bloomberg's New Energy Finances recently as 2014, a year before the Paris Climate Agreement was reached, electricity from solar and wind was cheaper than new coal and gas plants in probably 1% of the world. Today... Only five years later, solar and wind provide the cheapest sources of electricity in two-thirds of the world. Within five more years, these sources are expected to provide the cheapest new electricity in the entire world. And in 10 years, solar and wind will be cheaper uh, nearly everywhere uh, than the electricity that's existing with fossil fuel plants today. Consider the progress made by the top emitters of greenhouse gases. Last year, solar and wind represented 88% of the new electrical electricity capacity in the 28 nations of Eastern of the European Union, 65% in India, 53% in China, and 49% uh, in the United States. We're last. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Wonder a... why. <laughs> and, and then he also notes that, uh, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, average job growth um, in the solar wind uh, installation occupation um, has exceeded average job growth sixfold in the last five years. The second fastest growing job wind turbine service technician. So those are good news stories that we need to not forget, and we need to keep moving in that direction. Right. Listen to a little uh, young Greta. Yeah. Who uh, gave a moving uh, speech today at the United Nations. Trump, of course, ignored it all. He was too busy holding hands with... Prime Minister Modi of India. Melania was probably jealous. That's the Well, that's the one thing they don't seem to do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> when they disembark Air, Air Force One, I've noticed that it it forms a kind of a 
a, a goose formation. <laughs> yeah, M- Modi was maybe a little nervous there uh, as as that whole thing went on. But uh... I found the whole thing bizarre. I mean, just like why on earth would, for one thing, Modi be, be having a rally of fifty thousand people in Houston, Texas, of all places. Which I, apparently does have a very substantial Indian American population, but why Trump would barge his way in and claim he's the greatest friend of India is uh, a little bizarre because uh, he's a had, crowd. He smelled the crowd. Had, oh, oh, I want a piece of that. He gets his um, gets gets his jollies that way for sure. You know, and of course he had a kind of a bad week with some of his other friends. Bibi Netanyahu is uh, uh, not quite done. He's not quite dead he's yet. Not quite dead yet, <laughs> as leader of Israel. Uh, but uh, he lost some more votes, and uh, hopefully he'll lose some trials, and <laughs> some of these uh, long-standing corruption charges can proceed against him. And of course, the negotiations uh, over the next Israeli government will continue for weeks on end um some people are holding uh tough to their uh issues that are non-negotiable but it's interesting that the arab parties actually gained some seats as well so the israeli public i think is growing weary of netanyahu and how fascinating that netanyahu is now under the bus with michael flynn Chris Christie, Trump apparently has given him the cold shoulder. No phone calls. To, He's got that loser smell about him. No phone calls to BB Netanyahu. Um, and as for the Ukrainian thing, Trump's story is uh, hard to accept. <laughs> Will this be the steaming turd in the middle of the floor that finally causes Republicans in the Senate to go, no, gall darn it. Okay, you've gotten away with everything that's inappropriate and wrong, but this time you've gone too far. I mean, Mitt Romney. Oh, Mitt Romney had at least the audacity to tweet. His courageous thumbs tweeted out, this is very concerning. Dude, why are you a senator? Why did Mitt Romney, seriously, why did Mitt Romney want to be a senator? What has he done? Well, he makes statements. He applies no pressure on any of, any of his uh, colleagues. Uh, he lets Mitch McConnell shut the thing down. Um, what was the point of Mitt Romney even being a senator? I just, it's baffling to me here. And let's not get confused. There's going to be a lot of diversionary arguments over the next couple of weeks about this. Uh, this is a drip, drip scandal. Who knows where? Well, Thursday, the uh, DNI yeah. uh, is supposed to appear before Congress. It, it was he. I don't know. Is he acting or a temporary? I don't remember at this point. He's acting. Uh, the language of the, the statute is that uh, if the inspector general of the intelligence communities finds that it is both urgent and credible, that within seven days it shall be right. delivered. So there is no question about what the law says must occur with this information. Unambiguous. Yeah. But we know that Donald Trump's adherence to the law is uh, less than faithful. Uh, and, of course, talking to foreign leaders, no problem with that, but uh, urging them to conduct investigations 
into your political opponents is right out of Tricky Dick, Nixon. Um, so don't be confused by Wall Street editorials that suggest that there's nothing here because John F. Kennedy talked to Khrushchev during the Cuban Missile Crisis and Nixon talked to Brezhnev during the uh, Yom Kippur War in 1973. Those are simply not comparable. As for Trump's initial claim that he did this to congratulate Zelensky, that's just baloney. This guy won his race like in the spring. I don't know what date it was, but it was some months ago. He, of course, was a reality television. Indeed. I was going to say, uh, like Clown Pants, he is a former TV personality. One of his opponents before the uh, vote even said the Ukraine is about to elect a clown. So, Well, that's that's all the rage these days. I mean, <laughs> look at uh, from the UK to the US, uh, electing clowns is sadly where the Western democracies are at. Yeah. And of course, uh, Duterte re quite recently admitted that he put out a contract on a mayor in the Philippines as part of his war on drugs. But, yeah, when, when you know that when Trump says fake news or witch hunt, which, of course, he did, mm. you know it's true. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, fake news and witch hunt. You know, let's not forget that Robert Mueller uh, shot those phrases down in his testimony at the very least when asked if uh, his investigation involved fake news or witch hunts or hoaxes. Trump's other favorite word, um, you know, linking aid to policy issues um, is nothing unusual. That's happened throughout history. But I think that investigations into corruption, you well, know, Trump says, we were we cared about corruption. We, oh, yeah. We, we, you know, we, we want this money to go to a, a country that cares about corruption. But here's something that nobody's really talking about. With regard to this, was it two hundred and fifty million dollars of defensive aid that mm -hmm. was slated by Congress, the representatives of the American people who appropriate that who kind of, appropriate yep. the funds, voted and deemed it so appropriate to this is the this is what we're let's face it the Ukraine is right next to Russia. There's all sorts of uh, messiness with the whole thing involved. Very Russia. messiness, yeah. uh, very much messiness. The Crimea, et cetera, all that stuff. Um, Think the Dnieper River. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of the d divider of Eastern and... The focus now is on, oh, uh, his attempt, Trump's attempt to use this aid or the threat of not, you know, providing the aid, which has already been approved, uh, if they don't... And, and you know, it's going to be one of those things where they're like, well, he didn't actually say that, but that's why we need to see the transcript so we can see, you know, it's, it's the gangster talk. Like, well, it would be a shame if... Something happened to, you know, that uh, corner grocery store. Uh, this, this sort of veiled threat language uh, is is likely to have been employed rather than an explicit quid pro quo. But at the end of the day, the unspoken thing of all the critiques and condemnations of this shockingly inappropriate behavior is who benefits if the Ukraine doesn't get two hundred and fifty million dollars in aid? Could it be putsy wootsy? It could. It and it does. And let's also remember that it's in more Russia help. Today's Wall Street Journal, which is hardly a enemy of Donald Trump or I don't even know if he's calling them fake news anymore. 
apparently he's a little teed off at Fox News because Brit Hume and uh, Shepard Smith have gone off the reservation a little bit um, talking about an independent media. But um, they said eight times there was uh, invocation of aid threats Mm -hmm. linked to Biden. Those are details that frankly need to be fleshed out and as for donald trump we know how this works it's always amusing to remember the saga of stormy daniels uh first president trump denies having an affair with stormy daniels then he denies any hush money payments were made to her then he said he had no knowledge of any payments to her then he said the payments did not come from campaign funds but from his personal funds. And now in the latest ever-evolving version that did come out was that it came from campaign funds and that it was his lawyer, Michael Cohen, um, for not advising him that this might be illegal. This is when uh, Donald Trump condemned Michael Cohen before ever, you know, before he testified to Congress that... Uh, Donald Trump blames Cohen. He's supposed to know the law. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not why you hired that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a long tradition of Trump changing his story, uh, modifying, and, and people, it's hard to keep track of. This is, this is how he operates. Uh, that's part of Giuliani's function, too, yeah. is to muddy the waters mm-hmm. by uh, getting these ideas out there so that Two weeks down the line, when you finally actually get to look at the transcript, maybe every, something else stupid has happened. And you're like, oh, gee, oh, right. That other stupid thing from two weeks ago. Uh, you're just become uh, inundated to the point where uh, it's hard to see the forest for the trees for, for lots of people. And that uh, quote that I just rendered was from a letter to the editor by Russ Weiss of Princeton Junction, New Jersey, on the uh, 14th of December, 2018. He concludes, it reminds me of an old joke about the sociopath's response when accused of a crime. I tell you, I wasn't even there. And if I was there, then I didn't do it. And if I might have done it, it was just an accident. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is the ever-revolving account that Donald Trump makes quite frequently. Uh, Even more alarming, of course, is the development that we are now dispatching 2,000 more military troops after we let Saudi Arabia determine whether or not we're going to war. What is going on here? Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't one of the major grievances of the 9-11, who were mostly Saudis, by the way, the 9-11 terrorists, the presence of U.S. troops in Saudi Arabia in the Iraq war? Sure. Wasn't that a major grievance? So now suddenly, because uh, they're an important client to the Trump industries, the Saudi royal family gets to push those uh, grievances to the side. Who knows how this will play out, but I don't really see how this benefits the United States in in any way. 
And it's worth noting, by the way, that the United States had announced back in late May, uh, this is even before the uh, um, recent developments with oil facilities being attacked. We still don't know who did this. Uh, Drones have a degree of anonymity to them that is very troubling in our (laughs) ever-increasing technological world. Who owns the drone? Who's operating the drone? Who knows? I mean, there's so, there's so much forgery there that's potential. Let's remember that when Adolf Hitler invaded Poland, he conveniently dressed up some troops with fake uniforms to claim that Poland had invaded mm-hmm. Germany. Uh, in other words, they kind of took some Polish soldiers that they immediately killed and put them on the other side of the border. And uh, this is a long tactic. But how interesting to note that on the 25th of May, Donald Trump announced uh, large weapon sales to, quote, our Gulf allies, uh, bragging that this would uh, now uh, allow $8.1 billion of munitions transfers uh, to three Arab partners in the region. Senator, uh, excuse me, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had pushed for the move over the objections of career foreign service officers and legislators. Quote, these sales will support our allies, enhance Middle East stability, and help these nations to deter and defend themselves from the Islamic Republic of Iran, Mr. Pompeo said on Friday. Now get this one. The acting Secretary of State uh, Defense, Patrick Shanahan, described the troop deployment, because this was part of the arms sales agreement, as, quote, a prudent defensive measure uh, and intended to reduce the possibility of future hostilities. Whoops. (laughs) Guess that didn't work out too well now, did it? Uh, I don't know when we're going to learn our lesson in the Middle East, but it is uh, something that is is remarkable that these blunders keep happening. And as I say, I don't know if Iran was behind this, but Donald Trump is the one that's ratcheted up tension in this region uh, when he unilaterally withdrew from the Iran uh, nuclear deal. Other countries around the globe have tried in vain to keep this thing intact. And President Trump just continues to defy uh, any logical concept about how this was working. Uh, The extraneous issues that upset John Bolton, Pompeo, and the members of the Council of Foreign Relations and some of the other hawkish blunderers that uh, have proven to be so ineffective. You know, these are the people that wanted to go into Lebanon in 82, 83. Mm -hmm. The people that wanted to support Saddam Hussein in the late 80s. The people that wanted to invade Iraq in 2000 and involve ourselves in Afghanistan to boot. Uh, This... That's a poor track record. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To put it mildly. It's... It's almost as good as the Detroit Lions football record. <laughs> now wait a minute. They're they're 2-0 and 1. 
undefeated. Uh, no, uh, you know, and and these all all these arms being um, sold in the Middle East. By the way, we don't know where they end up. And of course, this is part of the mystery of drone warfare. I mean, even if the GPS coordinates say, well, it came from this area here, how does that prove who fired them? It's not like these areas of the world are heavily guarded by uh, the police. Well, with computer encryption and, you know, to to really examine and analyze them. Yeah, the manipulation of uh, somebody else's equipment. Uh, to mask or disguise uh, the forensics research that you would probably have to do. You know, these drones are small. It's not like uh, a fighter plane goes down and you can readily identify the hole from a piece of it, uh, you know, from wreckage. Uh, whereas a, a drone is so small that is there anything left once it blows up? Is there anything there to trace or track? Well, it was convenient that there was a serial number that uh, said... Uh and it was it was it was actually written in Anglo language. I mean, it wasn't written in Farsi or Persian. Mm. So I don't know. Apparently, drone operators in uh, the Middle East uh, read English. So who knows? This was the display that the Saudis uh, put on for the the benefit of the world uh, later last week. So. I don't know. It's just one more troubling development. Trump, of course, has sort of backed himself into a corner. And now he's being challenged by hawks who are saying, well, if he doesn't respond, this is going to make America look weak. Yeah, but see, the the upside uh, on this whole operation to send 2,000 troops to Saudi Arabia for Trump is that they'll fly over Scotland, they'll do the stay over at his struggling golf course, and sort of, you know, this isn't about American security at all. This is about propping up his Scottish Turnberry property or whatever the hell it is. Corruption. It's it's from a guy who's interested in corruption. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it's a convenient, you're doing two things at once here. And they've already determined that $184,000 was spent on the troops staying at the Trump Hotel. They get, it's it's this failing airport near the, near mm-hmm. Trump's uh, Turnberry uh, Classic uh, golf course that's, I don't know, maybe the future. I just want to make sure that our boys got a mint on their pillow. Well, and the future filming of Donington Abbey number 2 you know <laughs> Donington Abbey <laughs> that's it that's it. that's maybe how we can write an end game scenario to this Donington Abbey Donington it's it's all about here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor we're proud to present Donington Abbey it's uh Judy Dench can end it all with a quick maneuver Indeed. And all Dame my, Judy Dench, that is. Dame, and we've always got Maggie. <laughs> well, not that Maggie. Not Maggie Thatcher. Uh, Maggie Smith. Yes. The great Maggie Smith. Uh, looks like uh, Jerry has just arrived. He has a city calling. <laughs> will be uh, occurring on your radio shortly. 
So do stay tuned. Uh, thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. And, uh, yep, we got it. We got to keep the pressure on the, the powers that be regarding this uh, 